Good morning, good to see you. Uh, welcome uh, to Granville Chapel. If you're here visiting for the first time, it's good to have you with us. Um, as we've just heard from Paul, and he's just shared that story from Luke, um, I wonder if you just take a moment. It's a, it's a story that's familiar with us, to us, to many of us. We've heard it before, so what else can I talk about that we haven't already heard? But I, so I want you to think, first of all, what is it that strikes you as remarkable about what we've just heard? So just, just give yourself 15, 20 seconds. What is it that is so remarkable about what we've just heard in that? What is it that's remarkable about this story? What comes to mind when you think of this? What is it that stands out to you? Because really the answer is Jesus, isn't it? I mean, Jesus is who is remarkable in this story. The, the, the catch of fish is, I mean, that's pretty amazing. It's quite something. But there is something remarkable about Jesus that causes these men, these ordinary fishermen, on a very ordinary day to leave everything that they know and everything that they've done to follow him. What is it about Jesus then that causes Peter, Simon Peter, his friends, to leave everything to follow him? It's not just them, is it? Because then as we read through the rest of the Gospels and we read through throughout the whole of the New Testament, how people, men and women, their lives are transformed when they encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's life was shaken when he encountered the living, risen Jesus. And everything changed. Ordinary men and women then living extraordinary lives for and in him. I think actually the first message that I spoke at this church, I shared, this is quite some time back, in 2013, I think. Um, I think I shared something of my testimony, and you've heard it in pieces throughout the time, but it, I, 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 I think you may have remembered me saying on more than one occasion that when I, before I came to faith, if somebody had asked me, what is it about the Christian faith? What, what is your understanding of it? I'd have said, it's uh, pretty boring. That would be that would be my conclusion. I was, you know, I remember at university being invited to a to a, a Christian kind of event that was being put on, and it was, I don't know, but it didn't sound fun. So I, I just, I kind of had this idea that it was, it was pretty boring because I, I think I'd reduced what Christian life was to a list of do's and don'ts. You know, you have to do this and you have to do that, and and really it means you got to do this, and it and really that means you don't do that. And you've got, you can't do, and you don't do this. So it's just, it reduced it to a list of do's and don'ts. But there came a point where actually I then encountered the living Lord Jesus. That then that understanding was completely turned around. That following Jesus far less than being boring is actually an invitation into the greatest adventure that we can ever experience. And that's what I want us to think about this morning as what is this call to adventure? What does it mean for us to follow Jesus? Because it really isn't about what we do or what we don't do, 
but it's who he calls us to be. And he calls us to be with him. He calls us to be in him. And by living with him and in him, we could become like him. Because where Jesus is, and in being with him, our life takes on new shape. When I came to faith, those many years ago, I remember going two weeks later to a church retreat that was being hosted by the church where I'd walked in and thought, oh Lord, you are real, and gave my life to him there at the back as the church was worshiping. Two weeks later, I went away to the church holiday, their retreat. It was a week-long retreat in which I was kind of being taught about worship and prayer and how God speaks to us, and it was actually where God first spoke to me about going to Brazil, and uh, I remember it was just such an amazing experience for me. It was such a different experience for me of how people related, of the people that I met. It was such, it was such a stark contrast to everything that I'd ever lived or experienced up until that point. That when I went home, I didn't want that to stop. I, could, I couldn't bear the idea of turning on the TV, of watching the news. So I resorted to watching something that I thought would be safe and inspiring and of the same theme. And I turned on the Lion King. Right? This, the Lion King is this story of this lonely orphan lion. He makes friends with social outcasts. He's cast away from his own land. So he goes off. David was saying to me earlier about me prancing on the stage, I guess. Now, now I've said it out loud. I shouldn't have done that so you can remember. Anyway, so this lion... This little lion, and he goes off and he makes friends with these kind of outcasts, and he gets on well with them, and they enjoy life so that, you know, that they're, they're having fun. And then there comes a point in which he realizes that his task and his call is for something more. He's called to take on and confront this evil enemy who is taking on and to defeat, uh, to taking over the world. And in the end, that's what he does. He goes back, and he defeats the villain, Scar and uh, restores order to the world. And if you want to see how soppy I am, this is what it was in 1994 that I sat and wept as I watched. Disney Digital 3D. <laughs> you can actually watch it in your own home now. Um, what is it about these stories, what is it about these movies, apart from the epic award-winning music, that actually captures us? What is it about this that excites us, that captures our imagination? I wonder about Simba, at least for me. You know, there's this, there's this, it's this kind of turnaround story, isn't it? There's this hero story, this character who overcomes. And, and if we were thinking of kind of a lot of the genre of the movies that we watch that come out of Hollywood, there are so many of these hero stories. What is it about them that we love? What are the, who are the heroes? In a book uh, I read by a friend of mine, he talks about you know, they're ordinary people who bravely overcome obstacles and do extraordinary things for the sake of other people. Heroes, ordinary people who do extraordinary things for at, often at great personal cost, but for the sake of others. There's not celebrity, there's not status, often unhidden, often obscure but people who can and do change the world in which they live, often at great personal cost, but for the sake and for the good of others. 
I spoke with a friend of mine who was my, he was my pastor, actually, back in the UK, and around about the time that I was discerning a call into church leadership um, to be ordained uh, into the Anglican church then. Um, and he wrote a book, and I was talking to him recently, and I was sharing with him, actually, some of my uh, story. And uh, he, wrote, he wrote this book um, called The Hero, and why Jesus deserves the ultimate Oscar. And in this book, he, he describes about, uh, he talks about um, the hero's journey. And uh, the hero's journey was something that was described by a Hollywood consultant, um, Christopher Vogler. And he, and he describes the hero's journey in 12 stages. And I'm gonna, don't worry, I'm not going to go through, it's not going to be a 12-point sermon. <sighs> but... But he talks about these, these different stories and the 12 points that a hero goes through from coming from the ordinary world where you we're seen in this sort of ordinary mundaneness of what's going on, then the call to adventure, then, then the refusal to the call, meeting of the mentor, the crossing of the threshold, going through tests, building allies, overcoming enemies, Approaching the innermost cave, the ordeal itself, the reward, the roadblocks, the resurrection, and the return with the elixir, with the cure, with the healing for the world that so desperately needs it. I mean, these are, this is a pattern. When, when he did this, when he kind of came up with this, and he talked about this kind of all different kind of ancient myths and stories of heroes, he said, you know, they all basically follow this pattern. And so, they, they, so Disney thought, we're onto something here. This, is, this could be a winner. And so that's why you know, we see this pattern in so many of the stories. We've got, we see it in The Lion King. It's the story of Batman. It's uh, Luke Skywalker. It's um, Frodo Baggins, right, from The Lord of the Rings. It's Cinderella. It's Mowgli. It's, it's being called out of the ordinary of overcoming and stepping across the threshold into the adventure and the call to more. But as Mark Stibby says in this, the greatest hero story we see in Jesus, who actually went through every one of those stages. So what is it about these stories that we love? It's because these stories, our story finds meaning in Jesus. It's where we find our meaning. Jesus himself gave his life to a greater cause at supreme personal cost. Jesus is the ultimate hero who traveled uh, each stage of the journey, leaving his ordinary world behind, gathering um, his team, his allies, overcoming obstacles, Facing his enemy and through death and resurrection, Jesus brings healing and salvation to a fallen world. In him, in Jesus, all our stories find their true meaning. So when we come to this text today, it's in Jesus that we see Simon Peter's hero journey beginning. As he steps into this call to adventure in what Vogler calls uh, the ordinary world in which Jesus encounters Simon Peter. Jesus encounters him in his familiar, common, and sometimes monotonous day. 
but responding to Jesus. He accepts the call to adventure and he steps into then a special world that would then be very different from anything he has ever lived or experienced up until that point. But I want us to think about the ordinariness of that day. Jesus came to them, to the fishermen who were by the lake. They were, fishing, they were cleaning their nets after a hard night's toil. It was an ordinary day. They were doing what they had done countless times, another ordinary and disappointing, rather uneventful day. And Jesus said, will you, will you go out again and will you throw down your nets? He's like, well, we toiled all night, there's nothing. We, we, don't, we, we don't want to do this. The ordinariness of Simon's day, empty nets, disappointment, mundane, nothing out of the ordinary, and then pow, that wasn't very pow, was it? And then pow, Jesus steps in and draws close and everything changes, and everything changes forever. And that's an encouragement, I think, to all of us to remember that the call to adventure begins and comes to us actually in the very ordinary place of every and any day. What's your expectation for today? Or even of your week? I remember being asked by my daughter some time back, Daddy, what are you excited about for this coming year? And that's a great question. What are you excited about? What are you hoping for, for today? What is it that, what is there that is maybe stirring in your heart, a yearning for which you believe God is calling you? Or just something that you feel, I've got to do that, I want to try that. What is that thing? Maybe right now for you, for many of us, life has become mundane. Are we struck by the monotony of the day-to-day? The winter's coming, the rain and the wind is like, who doesn't feel that at this time of year? But what is God stirring in your heart? Because the encouragement I think the Lord would bring to us today is that he can and he does come to us in that moment of very ordinary and often monotonous and mundane. What if today Jesus were to reveal himself to you and to catalyze something in your heart and to remind you of something that he has planted and sown in your heart that you haven't yet done, that you haven't yet realized, that you haven't yet stepped into? What if today was the day for some in which we might say, maybe even for the first time, yes, to adventure with Jesus. For some of us, I wonder if it might mean lowering down the nets again to believe that when God breaks in, he can take what was once empty and fill it with life. That our nets are overflowing with the abundance of his goodness. What is that? empty thing in your life that Jesus seeks to restore and bring life to. 
Because when he comes and when he meets us in that ordinary place, Jesus calls us and he speaks to us and in so doing, he reframes our understanding of where we are and of who we are and of what we're doing and who we're called to be. The ordinary and the everyday of Simon Peter becomes so much more when it's aligned with Jesus' purpose and with Jesus' call. Jesus said to them, to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. You'll be a fisher of people. What you know here is so much more with me. When Jesus calls, will we say yes? Not to the do's and to the don'ts, but will we say yes to adventure? And if we are willing to say yes to Jesus, then that next part of the hero's journey requires crossing the threshold. Where it requires Simon, Peter, and his friends leaving behind the ordinary world the disciples we read left everything and followed him. Jesus himself crossed the threshold. When, when was it that Jesus crossed the, crossed the threshold and left the ordinariness of life behind him? Well, think about it. How much do we know about Jesus' childhood and the years up until his ministry? Very little, right? Jesus lived in obscurity. We know a little bit about the time that he studied the word and he became known in his, for his wisdom as he taught and expounded the scripture amongst the leaders and the teachers of the day, that people were amazed at this child, at this young man, in all that he shared. And Jesus crossed the threshold, actually in Luke 3, we read, at his baptism, where Jesus stepped out of obscurity into public life and ministry, where he came before John in the Jordan to be baptized. I mean, think about this, right? How much time, how often water is used? Water as a symbol of threshold, of crossing the threshold, of entering into new life. It's the exodus crossing of the, of the Red Sea. It's uh, the, um, well, Jesus' baptism, of, of, of our baptism, of going down, of dying to self and coming up in new life, risen and raised with Christ. In Jesus' baptism, as he stood uh, before John, we read that the people were all baptized. And Jesus went up to John, and, and, and John said, well, I shouldn't, I'm not the one that should baptize you. And Jesus said, no, you've got, to, you've got to do this. You've got to baptize me. And Jesus stood, and he identified, not with, the, not with the religious leaders on the side, but with the people who were weeping and were repenting and standing in the water saying, Lord, I need, and Jesus stepped into that place. That he was baptized, and as he came out of the water, we read that the, holy, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't done anything at this point. This was before he, this was what launched him in his ministry. But at that point, when he got the words of the Father and the affirmation, You are my son, with you I am well pleased, it wasn't because of what he'd done, it was because of who he is. 
You know, when we have a sense, or if we've lived and believed the lie, or if others, maybe even like when we say, like, what's remarkable about this, about this story? Well, it's that these, it's something about Jesus that makes these people live differently. They left their life to follow him. What is it that we're saying that is so remarkable that makes people think, what is it about Jesus that makes this person so different? When we think that Christianity, as I did, is like boring, it's just a list of do's and don'ts. You know what? I think that's Satan's greatest deception of us, that we know that that's not true, and yet somehow we get drawn back into it, as if it's about what we do, what we don't do. And Jesus says, no, it's done. It's finished. Be in me. We're going to celebrate communion in a moment. And in sharing communion, we identify with, with Jesus. We share in the, the bread and the cup. And in that way that we identify with Jesus' body and his blood in his death so that we might also partake of his resurrection life. It's what he has done, not what we can ever do. You know, Following Jesus and the call and the invitation into adventure is never anything about us, about what we can do, about what we bring to the table. It is only and always ever about Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross by pouring out his blood and giving his life so that then we might have life and have it to the full. Because of Jesus, we are not the sum of our greatest moments, and neither are we the sum of our greatest failures and most miserable moments. Because of Jesus, we are told and affirmed by the Father, you are a child of God, chosen by God, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We read from Paul in Ephesians. We're not the sum of our failures. It's not us that kind of, and what we can do that qualifies us for whatever God might call us into. It's what Jesus has done. When Simon Peter met with the Lord and, and he saw what had happened and he knew he was, who he was standing before, this remarkable man, the Lord, he said, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Jesus qualified him. He brought nothing but a repentant heart and a willing spirit and a, and a yes to Jesus' call to adventure. What does it mean to respond to a call to adventure? It means, it, it means being hopeful and being expectant even in the ordinary for when Jesus might break in and bring hope and fresh vision and catalyze something that he has sown in our hearts and that has been dormant or incubating there for however long. The call to adventure is to cross the threshold, to step away from what's familiar, from what is known, and to accept that invitation. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us, knowing that we are called children of the living God.
and saying yes to adventure. Another part of the hero's journey, we don't do it alone. When we say yes to the call to adventure, we take someone with us. Who are our allies in the moments of test and trial? Who are the people that will speak into our lives when opposition and hardship comes? Because it will. I mean, we read it, right? Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Because to step into adventure will mean that we will face hardship. That we will have obstacles to overcome. People will come against you. People will seek to, to tear you down. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. And he gathers people around us. And right here, this is what Jesus is doing here. Is he's gathering his disciples. You are my team. He's looking at you and saying, you are my body. And he calls us into the more, into the even more life, the abundant life, the, the richness of his kingdom life. It's so much more than what we do and what we don't do. It's, it's, it's the freedom to be because Jesus has done everything that we could never possibly do for ourselves. He's overcome the greatest obstacle. He's overcome the greatest barrier, the greatest threat to our lives in defeating death so that we can live richly and abundantly and generously and recklessly and courageously for him and for his glory and for his kingdom. One of my favorite things, I may have told you about this TV show, Little Gory. Uh, Band of Brothers, if you've seen it, tells the story of this battalion of men through the Second World War. And it's not about the, the brutality of war. I mean, you see it, but it's about the coming together of friends, of this brotherhood in the face of adversity. And in that place of being together, of being united, of being one, they overcome tremendous adversity and defeat the enemy. It's, it's Frodo Baggins, right? In the, in the Fellowship of the Ring. You have my sword. It, it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it, it's Gladiator. You know my films, right? It's Jesus calling his disciples, and as he does, he says to Simon, and so Simon is joined by James and John. There is something so remarkable about Jesus that we can say yes, that, 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 it, that, it, that it draws us to himself and he draws others to him. Don't be afraid, Jesus says to them. And he says the same to us today. And he says the same to us, I think, every day. Hey, I've got this. Don't be afraid. I've got this. You can expect there'll be opposition. You can expect there'll be setbacks. There'll be things that just will not go the way you expected. But I am with you, and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, Jesus says. So who are the people that, that we're taking with us? Who, who are you walking with? Who are you listening to when those things come against you? What voices do you need to hear and to have in place? And this... And this then is a moment, as I reflected on this, thinking, Lord, thank you for the people that you have put alongside me through every step of this journey with you. I had a call 
yesterday um, from Olive Parrot, Andy's mum. And um, she'd heard my news, but you, what you may not know is like, I've known, I knew Olive before I knew Andy, actually. I was, and I, I was introduced to Olive by Neil, Andy's brother. And Neil introduced me to Olive because I was kind of out of a, I'd left one job and I was about to go to Brazil and there was a bit of a, bit of a gap, it was a bit of a pattern. And, and then it was like, we're going to go, this is, this is what we're going to do. And, uh, and then I, the, the visa didn't come through and I had six months. <laughs> what do we do? And, and, and Olive said, you can come and stay with me. So I lived with Andy's mum uh, for about six months. And I met these remarkable people that would come in from Canada to visit. And, um, and I would hear stories. And so I'm thinking about these people. And in fact, Olive called me because she found a book that I'd given her from Alessandra and I some however many, 20-something years ago, a uh, book by John Stott, The Birds, Our Teachers. And she said, I opened it up, I picked it up, I hadn't read it for a while, and I opened it up and thought, and she saw in there a little inscription that we'd written as a, just a, uh, as a gift um, to her. And Olive, you know, Neil introduced me to Olive. And then Neil introduced me to Andy. Andy introduced me to all of you. Who do we take with us? Right? Who, are, who are the people that we get to walk with? And so, you know, we have an opportunity to think, who are we walking with? And I get an opportunity right now just to, to thank you for walking with me in this last few years, over this last few years of this, of this uh, journey. Got to work with Andy for 10 years. Great staff team. Could do that. <laughs> A great staff team, great people. Some amazing friendships that have been formed here. And I know we'll transition beyond just the friendship because of the role. God is good. And when, he, when we say yes to the call to adventure, we don't, he doesn't expect us to go out on our own. He doesn't call us out on our own, but he, he calls us into fellowship. The heroes, well, Jesus is the ultimate hero. But in him and through him, he then calls ordinary people to do extraordinary things in his name and in his power for his kingdom if we'll say yes to his call to adventure he comes to us in the ordinary he transforms that he invites us to step into something new that will require often laying down what is known but he surrounds us with his people and he promises to go with us in every step of the journey. And every journey begins with a single step. And you know what? To say yes to Jesus and to say yes to the call to, the, to adventure doesn't actually require, well, does that mean I've got to leave my job or have I got to sell my house? or do I need? It's actually the small things, isn't it? I wonder, what, I wonder what step Jesus might be asking any of us to do today, to take today. 
It's not always the big thing. It's not always the seismic shift. It's, it's actually often, more often, the everyday stuff that Jesus said, would you do this? Would you, would you be here with me? Would you be this person in this situation? Would you be my voice? Would you be my hands? Would you be my presence? And it's the little yeses along the way, empowered by his spirit, that brings change, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of the people around us and the world in which we live. I think Jesus is calling us all into that place of adventure with him to reimagine and think beyond the do's and the don'ts, but to say yes to the even more life that he promises and assures for every one of us. What will you say? What will you say? Thank you.